I probably should have stuck to just racing in parking lots, you know, around cones and doing autocross. When I moved up to road racing, you know, we've rolled cars over. I've been on fire. Cars get crashed. Like, it's expensive. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How you doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to the 34th episode of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. All right, episode 34. Can you believe it that we actually made it to number 34, Christine? Um, No, I think that a little bit earlier today, we might have almost killed each other, but we what are, you are talking powering about? through. Kill each other, come on. <laughs> hey, you know, we keep it real here. It's not like a social media Instagram grid where everything is perfect. You know what? We got our issues. What? Shh, come on now. Keep it on the D on the down low. Keep it light and fluffy, right? Exactly. It's like so Instagram like a Facebook uh, uh a Facebook family. Yeah, Instagram grid. And Instagram what's called? Instagram grid? Yeah, it's like the first six to nine pictures that you see when you scroll into somebody's profile. It's I called thought, their grid. I thought that was like the last six they posted. It is, is it? the last six they posted, but it's called your grid. That's what people see, and you keep your grid happy. Oh well, I guess so. I don't even think about that. I just Post whatever I post and let it just flow with the flow, like a river. It just keeps on coming. <laughs> I know. Like a I waterfall. More like a waterfall of sewage sometimes. I can tell. But... <laughs> it's a very chaotic grid. Okay. But... <laughs> yeah. So, hey, what's been going on in the world of Chris and Christine? Christine? Well, one of the things that I was reflecting on as I've been listening to our last couple of episodes is I don't think that we made a really big announcement for our family that we have a new addition to the family as of almost two weeks ago now. Oh, by the way, it wasn't a human. No. <laughs> in case you're in case you're wondering. No, cuter. No, I may oh maybe. <laughs> Definitely rougher, I could tell you that much. Rougher? She's not rougher. Hey, you know, it's a girl. Okay, stop debating with me. We added a baby tortoise, a little baby leopard tortoise to our family. That's and, a turtle for you kids out there. Yeah, and her name is Paisley. Or his name is <laughs> Mr. Paisley. <laughs> Just let me have my one other girl in the household, please, Chris. Sure, whatever. You know, we looked, we left it up the uh, tortoise's uh, underskirt. We couldn't, we can't <laughs> tell yet whether uh, boy or girl. Well, she's a baby, so we're not going to be able to tell, and I'm not going to call her it. And so we've just agreed that we will call her Paisley. And if in the future we find out that she is a he. Then we will call her Mr. Paisley. <laughs> Mr. Paisley's in the house. I want to put a cute little top hat on him. Like a cute little, you know, they have those, those little uh, puppet hats or whatever for the turtle or, or, or dress him up with like an outfit. Oh my gosh. You just wait until she gets bigger. She's going to have turtle costumes. But one of my friends, a turtle costumes. <laughs> one of my friends sent me a link for a turtle leash. T- oh, a turtle leash? With a harness. It's so cute. But what if the turtle like tucks his head back in the shell and at least his leash falls off no it's a harness that goes around the shell oh and nice. it has the leash on top so oh, like a dog harness that you put under the yes, dog's but belly it's a, but it's a turtle harness 
Oh, wow. You walk your turtle, huh? Yeah, you walk your turtle, (laughs) which is helpful because they actually do move kind of quickly and they like to go into dark places. And so they can easily get lost if they like burrow under the fence or whatever so especially now says he's so small he's like the size of like how big do you think he'd be like a why size- do you keep calling him a he oh sorry she is probably the size of maybe two matchbox toy cars maybe maybe she is two and a half inches long okay it's so about that i guess yeah so she's tiny she's four months old well probably four and a half months old now so she's a baby what's your birthday um, I'm going to make one up. I, it's like in January. So I figured that we'll just celebrate her birthday and the day before Ezekiel's. So it'll be her birthday and then Zeke's birthday and then Jacob's birthday. And it'll be a birthday wow. trio. How's that? And we'll get photos done and everything. I know. The family turtle photos. We'll have like photos. a birthday cake. He'll be, she'll be like, we, uh, Paisley be like on the cake or whatever. We'll just like, call them triplets. Tri- triplets. So. <laughs> Turtle Jacob and um, and Zeke. Sure, we'll work on that. We'll get that, figure that, figure that out. But how has work been going since you're still doing the quarantine life? Christine hasn't left the house since like forever. Well, I did actually leave the house the other day. I took my mask with me, but I put the top down on the convertible, Woo-hoo! and it was um, I needed to go drop off a mask for a friend that I had sewn for her, and I just thought I needed some fresh air and some vitamin D. And I was uh, on the freeway, so it's not like I was going to be within a couple of feet of other people. So I felt comfortable putting the top down. And then I came right back home after that. And so I did have a little outing. And then last night, against what I had planned for the evening, I had to go out more on that later. But work has been so 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 busy. And it's crazy to think about because every a lot of people are saying, oh. Everybody assumes since you're home that you're just not being busy at all. Right. People assume that, but I've been um, I've been waking up well rested in the morning, which is nice, but um, working anywhere from seven in the morning till six at night. And I just frequently forget to take a lunch break. But, you know, Pete, you've shared a lot about what you do for a living, but I don't know if I've shared what I do for a living. Well, please go right ahead. So I work for the County Office of Education here in San Diego, and my role is working a lot on data and coaching of senior like senior leaders and leaders within school districts and doing work, work around metrics and accountability. Well, with this whole closure of the physical school locations and going to remote learning, what's happened is all of the end of the year state assessments that kids normally take have been canceled. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so without that data, how does a school district know whether or not kids are on track for their next grade Well, how level? do they know that, Christine? Well, they don't. And so that's been my work with a team at our county office is we've been developing a whole list of possible measures and training all of our district leaders on these different measures that they could potentially use to help them look at progress when they're doing remote learning. But we've literally had to build this in one to two weeks. But it's very exciting. I actually didn't get to share this with you. It's getting a lot of positive attention, this project. We call it the Alternative Metrics Project. Okay. And um, the California Department of Education has asked to see our resources to see if it's something that they might be able to share and scale out through the state. 
Wow, now that will go for the whole year up until everything's get the green light to come back, right? Yeah, well, what it is is we've developed a, a list of different measures that uh, different leaders and teachers could potentially look at as data sources to know whether or not they're making progress. So things as simple as making sure that every student has a device at home, like whether they have a laptop or a phone or whatever. Is that just for the online like Zoom classroom stuff? Well, that, but kids don't just attend school on Zoom. That sometimes, sometimes it's through Google Classrooms or Google Hangouts. But then like our boys, uh, Zeke and Jacob and Mason, all have to go to all of these different applications to get their content. So like Zeke has to go into his Google Classroom and then he has to go into an assessment site. Jacob and Mason have to go into something called iReady and ST Math and Smarty Ants and Seesaw. Smarty Pants. Smarty Ants. Okay. And Seesaw, they have to go in all four of those. And so if a student doesn't have a device, then they need to be able to go and get the hard copies of the materials so that they don't get behind. And so we've been... Well, de- if the school is making it forcing every kid has to do a stay-at-home digital learning, then they should provide the tools, right? It, that is in the best case scenario. But you got to remember, Chris, all of this has happened in a very short amount of time and very unexpectedly. So it's not like we knew at the beginning of the school year, oh, we're going to go to remote learning after spring break. And so then what you have happening is every almost every school district across the country is rushing to get devices in their kids' hands. Oh, most, wow. Most of them are the same kind. They're like tablets or Chromebooks. Well, what happens when you have that huge increase in demand? Uh, who pays for that first, you know? I'm well, saying? who pays for it and who's going to produce to keep up with it? Because what happens is they've been producing at a certain level to meet what the previous demand was. But if you increase that demand by 500%, then people can't get Chromebooks. And they cannot get toilet paper either. You know yep, what I'm saying? It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> exactly the same Exactly the same situation. It's just like there's a scarcity with toilet paper because people were rushing out to get them. Same type of thing is happening with digital devices where there's been a little bit of a shortage and so there's back orders. But all that to say, this project that I've been working on with our team that we've been collaborating together on has been pretty groundbreaking in what we've been able to put together. And it's been taking a lot of time and attention and energy to train district leaders from across San Diego County. I think this week alone, uh, our team trained close to 90 different individuals wow all virtually oh wow now was that all on the same screen like 90 little boxes on the zoom no we had one meeting that had 53 53 separate meeting that had 72 and then some small group technical assistance sessions where there was between two and six individuals How, how do you if you have meetings of that large amount of people how do you actually like coordinate it all Well, that's a really great question. So there's a lot of work that gets done on the front end. So our entire team, we have an assessment and accountability division, and there are between eight to 10 managers. And so what we have to do is we have to have pre-planning calls. So we have to have Zoom calls to plan for the big Zoom calls. And then we're all all monitoring the chat pod to make sure that if people are asking questions that they're being surfaced. Um, and it's, it's a whole lot of coordination, but, I you, bet. but you know what? We're getting it done 
and we're getting it done for our kids. Yes, you are. Christine is uh, out at the, working the front lines here of this uh, thing, trying to get it all taken care of. So taking care of the back end stuff that uh, you don't, guys don't think about when you got your kids home at school doing the online learning with the tablets, with the Chromebooks, with the whatever. And Christine um, is taking care of it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize right now is that in education, um, in our job description, when we're all hired, whether we're administrators or teachers, we are all classified as crisis response workers. And so we don't get to take time off. And so even though we're working remotely, we're all teachers, administrators, classified staff members are classified as, as essential workers, and we have to work full-time in crisis response mode. And so that's what we're doing right now. Fantastic. Thanks, Christine. That's amazing. Thanks. Well, thank you all for letting me share. I know that Chris has talked about his being an essential worker out of the household, but <laughs> he let me brag a little bit. But all that to say, talking about our new family member that we brought into the house was to help me have a little bit of company while I was working remotely. So Paisley... Welcome to the family, and we have an exciting show for you lined up, and we have a fantastic guest. You are going to absolutely love him. He brings the energy and the experience, and we're going to come back with that right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back. And today, we have a special treat for you guys. We have a very special VIP guest who happens to be a California Highway Patrol officer and is also a professional race car driver and an author of a book called The Cadet Blues. Welcome to the show, Rob Kreiner. Hey, thank you very much. It's an honor to be on the world-famous Chris and Christine show, so I greatly appreciate you having me as your guest today, so thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate this. Awesome. So, hey, uh, how are you doing today, Rob? Hey, I'm living the dream. You know, I'm healthy and uh, taking care of business, so I'm a pretty lucky guy and get to play with cars and stuff and have a good time, so I'm doing very, very well today. That's awesome. Well, so we're going to dive right in. First thing that we want to know about you is how long have you been an officer with the California Highway Patrol? So I've been with the CHP for 22 years, and uh, it's all gone by very, very fast. When you start with the California Highway Patrol, they send you to our academy in Sacramento, California, and you live at the academy for six months, and it's a very you know, boot camp style academy. There's a lot of screaming and yelling at you and you get to shoot guns and drive fast cars and learn about laws of arrest. And, you know, uh, you get pepper sprayed and tased and all these kind of wild things that happen to you. And it's sort of an adventure. And that's where my book cadet blues came from. Cause it was kind of a wild tale of things that happened, but the California Highway patrol has been a very rewarding career because, you know, I get to provide, you know, safety service and security to the people of California to make our state a safe place to live and travel because we have a beautiful state here in California. And ultimately our goal with the California Highway patrol is to save lives. I just want to make sure when you leave your house and you're going to your destination, you can get there safely. So if that means pulling over a drunk driver and, and arresting them or telling someone to slow down, then uh, issuing a citation or just giving a verbal warning. And, or yeah, sometimes I just change people's flat tires. It just depends on what the job needs out there in the roads. And, and that's the job of your average California Highway Patrol officer. That's awesome. Now I have a question for you about the academy. 
I grew up watching movies called, I think it's called Police Academy. It's been so many years. <laughs> How did your experience equate with what you would see in that kind of a movie? Yes, yes. So it wasn't as funny as Police Academy was. And uh, it was a lot more politically correct than the movies Police Academy are, <laughs> certainly. So, you know, I grew up watching those movies, too, and they were pretty wacky and those are some of those 80s movies when you go back and watch them now, you're like, oh my gosh, these are super inappropriate, like super sexist and racist. You're like, whoa, <laughs> these things are crazy. I can't believe these things were just PG rated for kids, you know, but uh, yeah, none of that was there. There were certainly funny stuff that happened to us, um, and that's a lot of my book. My book is very funny, um, but it was also very serious too, you know, people were uh, serious about the training because we kind of have a serious job, so. Yeah, so, so is it kind of like Army Boot Camp or the Marine Corps? Exactly. So my, some of my friends were in the Marines before they went to the CHP Academy, and I asked them specifically, like, you know, what's harder, you know, because we all watched Full Metal Jacket, you know, that first half right. of that movie. Oh, I love really that. The, that first the scene best, my favorite. <laughs> oh, it's the best ever scene of what boot camp is like. And so I asked my friends, I said, hey, you've been to Marine Corps boot camp. It was just like Full Metal Jacket. Now you've been to the CHP Academy. Which one was harder? And their opinion was the CHP Academy was harder. Really? And the reason for that, yeah, I thought the same thing. The reason for that is that you know, the boot camp stuff and the Marine Corps, they just hammer you physically and they just beat you down. All they want you to really be able to do is, you know, build a rifle. But the higher patrol, it's a little more complex. And so we were getting hammered just 24 hours a day with stress in regards to, am I going to pass this accident investigation course, which is really complicated? Am I going to be able to drive a car 130 miles an hour sideways? Am I going to be able to shoot, you know, this shotgun and rifle and handgun and meet all these criteria? And so it was just coming at us fast. We're still doing the push-ups and the marching, shining our boots, shining our brass. Uh, very, very militaristic uh, style training because we want to make sure that when you leave the academy, and we call it the happiest place on earth. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, exactly. We want to make sure that you're ready to deal with some of the tough stuff. So, you know, honestly, police work is not really always the greatest thing to see. And there's a reason that when it happens at 3 o'clock in the morning, People don't want to, the general public doesn't want to see it. In fact, right now, there's a situation where, you know, people are seeing body worn camera footage and they're very shocked by it. They're like, oh my gosh, is that what it's like? It's like, police officers have been seeing that for 100 years. Like, yeah, that's what it looks like. It's not pretty. You know, um, when you have parts of our society that kind of don't want to go with the program and, and do bad things and make bad choices, then we're sort of the, the people that are there to keep them out of your homes and from crashing into you on the freeway. So sometimes we have to use the uh, things we have to use, the tools we have to use to kind of get them out of society's way and, and get them through the criminal justice system. But aside from all that, what made you want to do it in the first place? So I want to do it because uh, if I didn't get hired by the California Highway Patrol, I was probably going to lose my driving license. <laughs> because lose your driving I was license? kind of a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I was, you know, I grew up in a, you know, kind of an automotive household. We were always fixing up cars and, you know, you're driving around and I was getting pulled over a lot for, you know, tinted windows or modified <laughs> exhaust or going too fast. And I deserved every single one of those citations I earned because I was totally doing all that stuff. You know, it's just part of growing up in, uh, in my generation, just a lot of people kind of were into cars and stuff. And I kind of grew up in a town that was into cars. So, you know, I was like, man, I want to drive fast. I want to race cars. And, you know, there's this job where you could drive a car super fast and not get a ticket. And that's the California Highway Patrol. In fact, we have our own racetrack at our academy and a oh, slick track. And yeah, a, yeah it's fantastic. It's just, I learned really a lot about performance driving at the CHP Academy. And I was already a race car driver before then. And I still picked up things. And I think it even made me a better racer uh, going through that training. Now, the Highway Patrol, the cars. And now I have to ask you this question. When you were out, on a patrol, are you in the Explorer or are you in the new Dodge uh, Challenger or Charger? 
charger it is. So uh, we have both right now. So you know, it's funny when I first came on the High Patrol, we were always going to have just a V8 sedan. You know, the standard stuff. Crown, I drove my Vicks, first right? car was yeah the Crown Victoria Police Interceptor, which was a really good car. And then if you'd have told me when I was a brand new officer 22 years ago, like you know, in the future you're going to drive an SUV with a six cylinder, I would tell you, no way, that's going to happen. Never. <laughs> yeah. The High Patrol will never do that. Um, but really what it comes down to is the amount of gear that we have to put in these cars now. We have the computers weight. and we have all kinds of – yeah, that's exactly right. It comes down to weight and being able to handle the, the weight rating for those tires. And so we ran into a situation where there was less and less vehicles that could handle the, handle the criteria that we needed for acceleration and performance and handling and you know space to put all of our gear. We, t- we carry a ton of stuff with us. So, um, you know – that came down to the SUV. So that's, that's what we were riding. And our guys like it, you know, because they're able to, it's easier to get in and out of and stuff. We have less back injuries. And so the guys like the SUV, I'm, you know, I'm more of a purist, you know, I'd rather be in the, in the Dodge charger for sure. Um, but you know, these days I actually, I drive a desk. So that's, that's the kind of performance I'm getting to the <laughs> patrol. So, you know, I, uh, moved on from the road patrol into administrative position. So, uh, now I just sort of direct those resources and, uh, every once in a while I get to get out though and, uh, and get going up and down the freeways in a black and white car super fast, which is fun. Well, I have some experience with driving one of those SUVs, not specifically for CHP, but I can attest to the fact that you can get up and go pretty quickly on those. And I ended up going so quickly that one of those CHP SUVs pulled me over on the side of the road because I didn't realize how fast I was going in the rental. So they definitely do have some good power behind them. But they're not like Ford Explorer on Ford Explorer stuff, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, but how much power do, do those things have? They feel pretty quick. You've been in a race car, so how do they feel the, the CHP? Uh, so we so we know just for us commons folk can know. Say we can outrun you guys. That's all you know. <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. Can you get away from us? So you know. Um, well, the fact of the matter is, you know, the like the Crown Vic Police Interceptor, it did have more performance stuff than the general public got. So we had a lower rear end gear ratio, a little lighter suspension. We had a you know a bigger battery, and so they could really get off the shoulder pretty well. How they how they compare to race cars that I drive? They really don't compare at all. I mean, race cars are just built for one purpose, and that's just to right. go as fast as they can. So they're certainly not the same as that, but. Vehicle dynamics are really the same when it comes to uh, how a police car handles or a race car or uh, a go-kart at the local pit, you know, putt and putch, you know, golf course, you know, whatever you're going to do, it's going to be the same concept. Weight transfer, not locking up the tires, giving a good high visual horizon as you're driving. And everything we taught us at the CHP Academy made me a better just regular driver, right? I kind of look farther down the road than the general public because that way you can see stuff coming at you and you want to give yourself a nice space cushion and we want you to be safe. And so that's what that defensive driving teaches you. So I was wondering, Rob, because we've had shelter in place in place in California for a couple of weeks now. Have you seen from the CHP perspective a decrease in the amount of people on the road or is it kind of the same? Definitely a decrease without a doubt. So we certainly have seen a decrease with the stay-at-home order. You know, obviously, uh, all my folks are still out there as essential workers because we still need to make sure that everybody's safe. And then even if it's just one person, you know, making a delivery like Chris is working, he's driving, you know, how many, you know, 88,000 pounds of gasoline down the freeway. If something happens, he wants us out there to save him. You know what I mean? So we cannot stay home. Um, So we're going to keep working. But generally, you know, especially in like our more urban areas, if you look at L.A. or Sacramento, uh, especially San Francisco, there's just less commute traffic for sure. Okay. That totally makes sense. So have you seen as a result of that a downturn in traffic stops? 
definitely downturn and you know just it's a percentage game and um and i think people are just kind of everyone's being safe right now which is good you know the, most of the populace is kind of going with the program and we all just want to get through this safely and so most people don't want to be involved or get stopped by us or get in an accident because they just nobody needs that kind of exposure so you know sure there's some people that are out there we call them knuckleheads there's some knuckleheads oh, that are yeah. doing dumb things and then I, we still have to deal with them i saw some yesterday or the other day it seems like since the quarantine there was less people but more knuckleheads you notice that like more crazy just opening up on the freeway fast they want yeah, there's some of that. I think it's because you're just they're the only ones out there. <laughs> so they're they're a little easier to, to find and when they are generally covered, in a big group of people, so. I don't know if we covered this, but uh, what part of the state are you uh working in or have you worked in? So when I went out of the academy, I was sent to Santa Barbara, California, which was really really tough duty, you know. I had to learn how to surf and how to, you know, <laughs> pu- you know, do public service by the beach at UCSB. <laughs> so it was a really uh, tough detail that they were giving me and and I loved, I loved working down there. It was a beautiful place to be. Santa Barbara is a gorgeous place to be. Um, and then my wife is from Fresno, so we moved to Fresno and worked there for a number of years. And then now I'm actually up in Redding, California, as part of our northern division is in the, my position up here. So I've been around the state a bit. We have a big, beautiful state, lots of different things to offer. And the, the CHP as a career gives you that chance to kind of move around. Like, oh, you like mountains and streams? Come to northern California. You love beaches? Go to San Diego. You know, whatever it is, uh, we have that available for you. So it's a neat, neat career that you can move around the state and make the same money um, no matter where you are. That's awesome. So I'd love to know a bit more, Rob, about this book that you wrote, Cadet Blues. So talk to us a little bit about your inspiration, how long it's been out, where people can find it. Great questions. I have answers for all those questions. So <laughs> what I say about Cadet Blues is you don't have to read it. You just have to buy it. All I ask you to do is buy it. I don't <laughs> read it or not. Of course. <laughs> No, but uh, it's, a, it's a book about the six-month journey through the California Higher Patrol Academy. I was a journalist major in college, and uh, I wrote a column for the Santa Maria Sun for about 18 and a half years, really about being a, a dad and a family guy, and, and always kind of humorous, funny stories. And as a writer, you always kind of want to do the next thing. I thought, man, I really need to write a book, and I just really didn't have one kind of in my brain to do, but I thought, well, the Higher Patrol Academy was a pretty easy story to tell, and I remembered all the details from it because it was sort of like this traumatic event. It was like a plane crash, you know what I mean? So I can certainly <laughs> remember it, how it happened, like every detail of that place I can remember. And I'd always kind of kept some notes about some of the really crazy things that happened. And and so I took some time off and I just knocked it out and it's been out since 2014 and sold 3,000 copies, which I'm pretty excited about. Oh, wow. um, people who want to read it can get it digitally if they want. If you're a Nook person or an Amazon Kindle person or an iBook reader, you can get a digital copy. It's only $7.99 for that. If you like, if you're a person who likes the physical book in your hand, you can get it through cadetblues.com or eBay or Amazon. So the only issue with Amazon is I found out recently that if you have the little Prime button switched and you search for Cadet Blues, it won't show up because it only shows you Prime things. So oh. I'm not allowed to sell not I'm not allowed to sell Cadet Blues as a Prime because uh, I don't sell enough copies. Like they want a certain criteria for that. So. Darn really? you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so, anyways, um, money. You, if you yeah, if you slide that switch, you'll find Cadet Blues, or, or just if you go to cadetblues.com, I actually sell it there, free shipping. So um, you can get it there, and it's like seventeen ninety five. So it's a, it's a good read, very fast and easy read. It'll I, it, no matter who you are, it'll make you laugh just because it's kind of a crazy, insane thing that they they did to us, you know. That's awesome. I've always dreamt of writing a book. And maybe once I'm out of my doctoral program, I might reach out to you and get your best tips on writing a book and self-publishing because I just think it's super intriguing. So kudos to you for 
being a published author on top of all of the other accolades that you have on your resume? Well, I would say, Christine, definitely do it. You know, um, uh, your doctoral thing is going to take you a lot of lifting and a lot of writing. You certainly need to concentrate on one thing at a time. But once that's done, just sit down and knock it out. And I'm sure you've got a story to tell that, that people will find interesting. So my, my goal to anyone who asks that, I just say, do it. Just sit down and do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us about your experience as CHP officer. But we're going to switch gears a little bit. And Chris, Literally. Chris, <laughs> that's <laughs> yes, pretty punny. put it in the high gear. Uh, so Chris has been super excited to talk to you about your second passion, which is race car driving. So I'm going to hand it over to Chris for you guys to talk about all the fun Woo-hoo. racing details. Fantastic. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. So first thing, first thing off, I want to know is what classification of race car do you race in? So I race in a series called the National Autosport Association, and that's like the Sports Car Club of Association. So here's an example. So the new film that came out about a year ago called Ford versus Ferrari with Matt oh, Damon and Chris Bale. I love it. It's a great film. Very accurate movie about what it's like to be a race car driver and develop cars. So that's the same kind of racing that I do. So I essentially race in endurance races and sprint races. You know, the 24 hour of Le Mans is 24 hours. I do a race called the 25 hours of Thunder Hill, which is one hour longer than Le Mans. So we're, Ooh. you know, America, we like to do things a little bit bigger, right? So that's right. we're that's like, right. hey, man, we're going to go 25 hours. Forget the French, right? So uh, so go. I've done that. And actually, there's a documentary film about my team uh, beating the factory Mazda team at uh, the 25 hours Thunder Hill called Double Down. And you can see that for free online on YouTube. So uh, oh, awesome. And it came out really, really good. So it's a do- you know, full-length documentary film and, uh, and shows really the inside of what it's like to be on a professional racing team. Where is that race taking place at? So there's a track uh, in Willows, California. It's about an hour and a half north of Sacramento called Thunder Hill. And uh, beautiful professional racing facility. And they have this race every year in December, which is nice because it's off schedule from all the rest of the pro races in the country. So you'll have regular guys like myself, just a couple of dudes who want to just race their cars together at the amateur level. And then the big pro teams come in. So you'll have Le Mans teams like Flying Lizard Motorsports. Professional drivers will come in. And so it's kind of a neat thing to say, oh, I beat this pro driver. I, I was you know wheel to wheel with this guy I watched on TV two weeks ago. So it's a very big race. Uh, we get teams from all over the world, Japan, Australia. They, they, everybody comes for the big 25-hour race. Now, can you race any car that you have, like, say, your personal car, or does it have to be a, a special race car? So in that series, there has to be a special race car, but it can be converted from a car that you have. So, for instance, the first year we ran it, we ran it in a 1991 Nissan Sentra, S-E-R. So nice. that doesn't sound like much of a race car. It sounds like something a 16-year-old girl drives to high school, right? But uh, <laughs> basically, you know, we uh, put a roll cage in it and modified it and made it safe for racing and then uh, did very well with it. And so I've transitioned from that car, and now I race in a series called the Honda Challenge Series. So any the Honda Challenge Series is any sort of Honda or Acura product certain years and you can modify certain ways we kind of keep the rules so the cars are very competitive with each other and so i race a 1990 acura integra rs and uh and i've won the national championship in that series for the last four years in a row so i'm on a four-year win streak right now which is pretty exciting that's so awesome. I'm watching Chris here sitting across from me. I don't know if you know this, Rob, but he has a baby. He calls it his baby. It's a Nissan 370Z. And oh, that's oh, a great yeah. car. And he's like, his wheels are turning as he's hearing roll cage and amateur racers. And it's like Ford versus Ferrari is our movie. We love that. And so I could just see him like 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start like putting the stickers on the side. You're gonna see me no. on the racetrack, and no, then he's I... like, Christine, you got to learn how to drive stick so you can be my backup well, that's driver. A, that's the thing too. She can't drive a stick shift. <laughs> oh, shame on you. You got to get her in the Z and teach her, man. Oh uh, yeah, I might. I might. You know, I but know. hey, you don't want to blow up the clutch in the 370Z, so I get uh, it. Exactly. But I've actually raced a, a 370Z Nismo, so I'm very familiar with that car. It's a very very good car. Probably one of the best balanced cars I've known for just like understeer oversteer and power and so in san diego though you have a group of people called the sports car club of america and they race at qualcomm park and you can take your nissan 370z and totally just like you have it right now you have to change nothing and you can borrow a motorcycle helmet put it on and you can drive that car around the parking lot around a bunch of cones around a course one car at a time as fast as you want and then every lap you go they give you your time and you race against similar cars and at the end of it they say you know, Chris is the winner. And so uh, wow. it's called Autocross, and uh, you can find that information on www.scca.com for local races. And uh, I've done a lot of autocrossing my life during my racing career, and it really teaches you a lot about car control, and it's very inexpensive. I think entry fees for the weekend might be like $40. Okay. And uh, it's super, super fun. So if you want to play with your Z, it's the safest place because you're not going to wreck that Z because you have a nice car. You don't want to hurt it. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you spin it out, you knock over an orange traffic cone. I promise right. you, it busts right. right out. So you're right. good. I think that he's about to cry right now. He's so happy. And I think you've just officially made yourself a new best friend, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I have a, a website called robcrider.com. And on there is a bunch of articles. And one of the things I do as a writer is I write a lot of technical articles for racers. And so there's articles you could read, Chris, that tell you how to basically build your 370Z and the safety equipment you might want to use or the tires you want to use or tire pressure. and kind of walks you through how to go autocrossing. So wow. there's definitely links there. And then my racing team has a website that I'm very proud of because we keep uh, up to date a lot of times. So it's Team 559. That's the area code for the Fresno Central Valley. So our team is called Double Nickel Nine Motorsports. That's Double Nickel Nine is 559. But if you go to team559.com, you can see Double Downer Documentary, and you click on the media archive links, and there's just pages and pages and pages of magazine articles and newspaper articles and tons of technical information from our team that we provide to other racers to show them, like, hey, if you want to do this, this is the tool you're going to need. If you want to do this, this is the kind of tires you want to use. So it's kind of an informational place for hub for anybody who wants to start racing to, to do that. So check it out, and uh, I'll see you at the track with that Z. Perfect. Hey, I got a question for you about the cars you're racing now. How much power can you get out of those little, they're four cylinders, right? That's actually correct. Yep. How much power can you get out of those things? So we try to get as much power as we can within the rule book. So, you know, as race car drivers always kind of just like in the, in the, you know, the, Ford versus Ferrari movie, they kind of talk about some of the rules that Carroll Shelby was bending. That's just kind of part of racing. And so we're always trying to get as much power as we can. So in my Acura Integra, I think I'm up to maybe 142 horsepower, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the cars are very light and all the cars are at the same kind of horsepower to weight ratio. So it's similar battle on track. You're doing a lot of, you know, bumper to bumper rubbing and wheel to wheel action. So it doesn't really matter how much it is. I used to race a Z06 Corvette and that had 505 horsepower, wow. which was considerably more. Right. And then, uh, but I sold that car because it was trying to end my life. Oh, really? <laughs> so it had Too to go. Much, yeah. Huh? Now, yeah, I, mean, I loved it. It was fun, but it was dangerous. Are you not uh, forced induction these uh, cars? They're naturally aspirated? Correct, correct. You know, certainly you can get more power if you put a turbo or a supercharger on it, but the rule sets in the Honda Challenge does not allow for that modification. So we don't do it. Okay, right. Cause I, I mean, 
And by the way, um, in California, if you tinker with like supercharging your car or supercharging or turbocharging your car, that kind of smog uh, rules kind of go out the window, right? Yeah, so there are certain systems you can use that are sort of what's called certified CARB legal, right? So that's right. Uh, California Air Resources Board. And so if you are going to purchase a part for your, let's say you wanted a, a cold air intake for your 370Z, which would give a little more power, right. as long as it has the CARB legal sticker, then you can make that modification. If it doesn't come with that sticker, unfortunately in California, when you go to get the car smog, they're going to say, hey, this car is not going to pass smog, and you'll have to put your old parts back on. So, And yeah. if the wrong or the right higher patrolman pulls you over and they pop the hood and they go, hey, you got, you got a CARB legal sticker for this? They might see yourself with a citation, which nobody needs that kind uh, of trouble. Hey, uh, speaking of citations, was it, was it this year or last year when they passed that stupid exhaust law? You heard about that one? I have, yeah. That did pass last year, yeah. And then didn't they just uh, change it or amend it uh, recently? I know there's a lot of battles over modified exhausts. I mean, a lot of people in the motorcycle industry fought it, and a lot of people in the industry who build mufflers fought it. And so it's gone back and forth. And so, I mean, I can't even keep track of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of those things where, like, are we going to enforce this or are we not? But Generally, if you own a car that doesn't sound super ridiculous, if you're not waking up your neighbors when you fire it up every morning to go to right. work, you're just being a reasonable guy and you're driving around reasonably, it probably right. won't be an issue for you. Um, if you have a Honda with just a coffee can on the back, and it just sounds super, super <laughs> loud. Can. And then, yeah, exactly. And you put in that we call the crackle tune into your you know exhaust or whatever. You will probably be visited by your local police department and being asked <laughs> to check out what the story is with your exhaust because it's maybe offensive to the rest of society. I got mine done on my Z uh, when I first got it. One of the first modifications I did was got the exhaust done. But it sounds pretty mellow. I mean, I think it sounds mellow. What do you think, Christine? Well, that's what he says, but he works nice. And when he drives home and parks at three o'clock in the morning, it's not so quiet. Well, it wakes me up every <laughs> night. <laughs> well, it's not. That's just—he just let you know he's home, man. I know. Yeah. I do sleep with the window cracked open, so it's my fault. But it is a little loud. But as Chris went to go get his smog check this year for his tags, he was like, "I don't know. Is it going to pass with?" My modified exhaust, is it going to be okay? And he was really happy that it was. I was excited. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's a win. Yeah. So, Rob, bigger question is, how do you fit in racing alongside a full-time career high up in CHP? So that is the ultimate balance. You know, it's not really, I think the, the balancing racing in my career has been less difficult than balancing racing with my marriage because I always want to keep Mrs. Kreider very happy, right? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm, uh, I'm married to my wife for 23 years, 24 years coming up here. And uh, we have two kids who have already, they're in college, one's graduated from college. So I want to be the best dad I could be, you know, and so I'm trying to, you know, build race cars, go to races, write articles about them, be a higher patrolman, you know, keep my wife happy, keep sponsors happy, all those things. And so like, it's a very difficult lift. And so people ask me all the time, like, how did you make a documentary film and write a book and have all these sponsors and win these races and stay married? And I said, the simple answer is, and it's going to sound cheesy. I'm like, I don't have cable television. Oh, <laughs> so, like, what? When, yeah, when I, like, there's shows, people are like, have you seen this show? I'm like, I haven't seen it. Like, I, I'm not watching television. So, you know, um, I'm just a busy dude. So when my, my, my kind of mantra is like, you know, if I'm at the racetrack, I'm going to beat you because I got up earlier than you. I worked harder than you. I went to bed later than you. You know, um, I'm on it all the time and always doing everything I can to make sure that every tension, tension to detail has to be perfect on a race car. Or you're going to have a problem on the racetrack. So, I kind of utilize that for everything in my life, just to be super organized. And the California Higher Patrol training at the academy taught me that. So 
the academy, they're screaming and yelling at you and throwing books at you, and you got to get into your dorm room and get some vehicle code and back to your classroom in five minutes. You think, I could never get that done in five minutes. Well, you learn in the California Highway Patrol Academy, you actually can do a lot in five minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. Five, I know. Minutes, five minutes is precious. And so I try to use every five minutes that I have on this planet to to make my life better or make the car faster or do you know move up in my career or, you know, buy flowers for my wife and keep her happier, take the kids out, you know, whatever you're going to do. So, you know, as a race car driver with kids, I wanted to do like, we had to win the Pinewood Derby for Cub Scouts. So we had to go to soapbox derby racing and, you know, and we did. And, you know, when my son moved on from Cub Scouts to Boy Scouts, he got his arrow of light and they're like, congratulations, Gus Kreider, you've won. And they looked at me and they go, and now that you guys are leaving, someone else can win the Pinewood Derby. So... (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So we do want to know, though, if you could get enough sponsorships and take it big, make it big in the racing industry, would you leave your job as a CHP officer? Man, I I probably wouldn't. So here's the reason for it is that I kind of have accomplished a lot of the goals that I really wanted to accomplish as a race car driver. Um, the next level up is it would be cool to say I did it, but it doesn't interest me that much because the racing is really the same. It's a very, very expensive, selfish, dangerous sport. I wish it upon nobody. You know what I mean? I probably should have stuck to just racing in parking lots, you know, around cones and doing autocross. When I moved up to road racing, you know, we've rolled cars over. I've been on fire. Cars get crashed. Like it's expensive. So, you know, that next level up, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I'm a kind of a student of the sport. I have a lot of different race car drivers I looked up to and would growing up and some of them are dead. You know what I mean? So it's not really something that I want to keep doing forever. And, and I love it and it's great and and it's been successful, but I'm not looking, I don't need that life satisfaction where I got the call that says, Hey, you know, we're going to go to Daytona. We want you to drive. I mean, it'd be certainly cool and an honor. And I've actually gotten a couple of those phone calls, but I couldn't really put all the pieces together in regards to a lot of those race seats are not free. So I got a call one year. They're like, Hey, do you want to drive this Porsche? I'm like, Oh my gosh, yes, this is, I'm, I'm your guy. Let's do it. And they're like, okay, here's the information, blah, blah, blah. We need $15,000 for you for one weekend. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you got the wrong guy on the phone. Right. Racing (laughs) is kind of a rich man sport. I I think it is just for fun. If you want to do for fun. So, uh, speaking of racing, what is your favorite racing memory that you've had in the, doing the sport? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, I, you know, it's funny. I only remember the races that I didn't win. <laughs> Seems like I, was, really? I get mad about my, I get mad about second place finish. I hate second place finish. There's a lot of Ricky Bobby, Talladega night stuff on our racing team at Double, oh, yeah. Double Nickel Nine Motorsports. But one of the best wins uh, for me was, um, we did a series called the 24 hours of lemons. And so I've heard yeah, of that you one just talked about. It. Yeah. So, you know, when you're racing, it's an expensive sport, but these crazy guys came up with a race and said, look, you bring a car that's worth $500, $500. And you can race it around this racetrack, you know, for 24 hours. And so my friends and I were like, yeah, hundred bucks a piece. We can come up with $500. Let's do it. You <laughs> yeah. know? So, so we show up to the 24-hour lemons. We built a Acura Integra, you know, the best that we could. And uh, I had done racing. My friends had really never been in racing before. So I was one of three, you know, four drivers. They had never raced. And we went out and uh, we won. <laughs> so it was this crazy thing. It was like us against, I think, 89 drivers. And it was this crazy race, demolition derby. And then when they put me in the car at the end, I was the anchor driver. I think we were like 13 laps down. I thought, well, you know, I'll do the best I can out here. But we're certainly not going to make up that kind of 
you know, being that far back. So I ended up pulling it off. Uh, during the last few laps, I popped the head gasket on the car. So <laughs> steam was rolling over the windshield. <laughs> And I'm on the radio. I'm like, how many more laps? Like, this thing's going to blow, you know? And they're like, just stay out there, stay out there. And so when I came around that last corner and they're waving those two checkered flags, I just thought to myself, oh, my gosh. Like, this is what I've wanted my whole life, like a real race. And we won. Wow. So I pull in and there's like, you know, there's movie cameras. There are news cameras there. Movie cameras? And I, yeah, yeah. It was like, people are all about it. So, like, it's a big <laughs> deal. So I jump out of the car. And because it was worth $500, I thought, ah, hey, what the heck? So I get up on the roof and I just jumped up and down the roof and just caved the roof. <laughs> so that was probably one of my my favorite racing victories for sure well, what did you do with the car afterwards so uh, we popped the the dents out of that uh roof <laughs> and then uh the 24 hour lemons they want you to kind of have a theme for your car so like you know they want it to be like a wacky thing people have like cars look like pirate ships or whatever really or domino's pizza deliveries yeah it's super fun no it's way. like halloween yeah so we, uh, a lot of my friends, we all had kids and stuff. I said, hey, let's let's do a theme called Kreider Racing University. So we're going to paint the car with like this green chalkboard paint. We'll let the kids ride all over it. And then I'll make t-shirts for everybody that says Kreider Racing University. And then we'll go to the racetrack and everybody gets a shirt. I'm like, Oprah, you get a shirt. You get a t-shirt. Everybody gets a Kreider <laughs> Racing University t-shirt. So it was just a theme for us. But we show up at the track. We've got like... You know, 50 people, we got 25 kids, and I'm teaching them how to work on cars. I think it's skills people need to learn awesome. how to know. Like, Christine, you need to learn how to drive a stick. But anyways, <laughs> <Definitely>. uh, <laughs> so we have all these people working on the car, and, and people are walking up to my wife. They're like, hey, uh, I'd really love to get my kid in that Kreider Racing University. Like, where is that school? <laughs> We're like, that's there's no Kreider Racing University. That's just a T-shirt, man. So uh, that was kind of so fun. Funny. <laughs> so we raced that car. We won a few more races in it, and then uh, – and then later we transferred on, kind of moved up in the ranks to the Honda Challenge Series with other versions of uh, Acura Integras. And then I won the national championship in at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. So that is a track that uh, they raced Formula One at. And so Lewis Hamilton was the first person to win a race that track in Formula One. And they gave him this cowboy hat because it's in Texas and they're spraying champagne. And I was like, Man, that's a great picture. And then in 2018... I was wearing a cowboy hat and spraying champagne at Circuit of the Americas, just like Lewis Hamilton. So I thought that was pretty cool to uh, to get to kind of replicate that as as a national champion in in Texas. That's so fun, Rob. This just sounds like you've had so much fun in this sport, and that it's just been something that your entire family has been able to get into. And so, thank you so much for sharing those stories. That was that was really fun. Absolutely. Super, super fun. If you follow Kreider Racing on Instagram and check out uh, team559.com, you can see all kinds of wacky racing videos and some of this crazy lemon stuff and Tohana Challenge champagne spraying. It's all there. Thank you so much, Rob. Hey, and by the way, I want to say uh, thanks for coming here on to the Chris and Christine show. And I hope that um, you are safe on the racetrack and the streets and you go get those bad guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going to work on it, Chris. I'm on it, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Hey, guys. What's up? It's the J-Boy Show. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Mason. And don't forget to listen to our new uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. We and talk about sports, motors, engines, and all kinds of stuff. And like YouTubers. Stuff and YouTubers. So don't forget to subscribe and listen in every Sunday. All right, and keep moving forward. Keep forward. Bud.
Hey, well, that was a fun interview, Christine. Yeah, it totally was. And I was watching you throughout that entire interview. You were getting so excited. Are you going to start a racing team now? I just might. It's going to be called the Gem Boys and the Chris and Christine Show's uh, <laughs> racing department number uh, 35. I, I don't 35? know. 35? <laughs> I thought 33 was your favorite number. Well, maybe 33. Or 24. Oh, 24. Even better. What did I think of that? Thank you so much. You're welcome. And it's because of, I'm brilliant. Well, yeah. You know, I tell you that all the time. <laughs> like, yep. all, like every day. Uh-huh. Sure. You know, as there's two things I love. It's the Z and Christine. <laughs> Christine comes second sometimes, but oh uh, come on! I, I come home at night and I go through the garage and I go, I look at the car and I'd be like, hey, "Yes, baby, good night." I, I give her a little kiss, good night, tuck her in, give her like, "Okay, baby." Oh my Re- gosh! Rest, rest in peace. And he's not even joking. <laughs> when we first started dating, and I would come over and we would have like movie night together, he'd disappear to go grab quote unquote grab something from the garage and he'd be gone for like three or four minutes and i would like three or four minutes or three or four hours three or four minutes and i'm like sitting on the couch and i was like i thought he was just going to get like a bottle of water and then i'm sitting there and sitting there and then i walk out in the garage i'm like um hey what are you doing you're like Oh, I'm just saying goodnight to my baby. And he was literally, <laughs> literally like staring at the car and checking her out and had like a little dust rag to get off any little of course. dust pieces. So of course. I actually can't imagine you racing her because the risk of any type of damage coming to that car, I think, would absolutely like put you in your grave. You know, I did hit a traffic cone one night. Oh um, yeah. I know. I told you I don't know if I told you that or not. Oh I, yeah. I was driving home on the freeway at night. Um, probably going a little fast, you know, probably I'm not super fast, but you know, up a good clip and somebody had ran over a traffic cone section and kicked the traffic cone into the freeway, into like the regular traffic lanes. Mm-hmm. And I was coming around a corner on the freeway. The freeway I take to go come home has a couple dips in the freeway and a couple curves to it. So you can't quite see around the bend. So you go around the bend and next thing I know, Boom, this cone is like right in my grill and I'm dragging it all the way home and eventually I kicked it out, but it did leave a little scrape on the front of the bumper a little bit, you know? Okay, I've heard that story probably 17 times, but the first time that I heard it, there was some explicit language woven into that statement. Of course there was. And the comment of, my baby is ruined and... (laughs) I think I totaled it. I'm going to have to call the insurance. I think that I really totaled my car. And I'm like, well, Chris, what was it? I hit something. I hit something with my car and it's completely destroyed the front of my vehicle. And I look at it and there was like two dings to the paint job. But it did pop out that little like uh, plastic vent cover thing or whatever. You can't really notice it. but uh, The license plate holder. Well, now I moved the license plate over to kind of cover that area so you can't really see it. But um, that's a little side note on that, right? But was it totaled? No, it wasn't totaled. And I and I I still love driving her. I she looks great. I still love it. And speaking of driving her, I drove her the other day. I uh, took her up on the freeway. I took her to the car wash, and to dry her off, I said, "What's to take her on the freeway <laughs> and open her up, get her close to 100 miles an hour?" Okay, allegedly 100 miles an hour. And um, don't let Rob hear that. <laughs> I know. So I get up on the freeway, and then um, there's this sound. It makes this beautiful engine sound when you go from like third, fourth, fifth gears, and you're just rowing through the gears, and you're pulling. The car's just pushing you, and you feel the acceleration and just that hum of that motor and the, and the exhaust way it sounds. Oh, I love it. How do you know that she's a girl? Uh, okay. Just like Paisley. How do you know that your car's a I girl? I think you call c- cars girls. It's like a thing, you well, know? No, you call your truck the silver bullet. Yeah. 
Silver Bullet. That's a boy. Is it? I don't. I don't know. You tell me. It's a, it, yes. My truck is called. I call this truck the Silver Bullet. I don't know what I call the Z though. It's called the Z. The Z, right? I don't know. It's small and powerful, Ooh. and so maybe that's why you want to call it a female. So we're just going to agree that the Z and Paisley are girls. Sure. Why not? We'll put leashes on both of them. I guess. <laughs> you know, they're almost the same color. You know. <laughs> That's so funny. They kind of do look alike now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, and you got the Chantelli, by the way. Yeah, uh, Christine's car is a, a convertible Camaro. Um, yeah. Yes, and you call she's it- white, and her name is Chantilly, like Chantilly Lace, and she is a a, a girl. Definitely, she has to be. I mean, she, you know, it's, it's a rule. You know, convertible anything, it's got to be a girl. Yeah, I saw a yellow one just like her on the road yesterday. What do you think? And it had these like slats on the side. I don't know what they're called. They almost look like vents down by the driver's side and passenger door, right before the wheel well. Huh. And it was kind of weird. It almost looked like fish gills, like the oh, you I know, know what like you mean. The, yes. like when the fish. Have on the oh, side of their yeah, face. yeah. And I wonder if vehicles are actually inspired by animals. Not uh, not just named after them, but actually inspired by like the build of them, like a Mustang. Was that like the build of it supposed to resemble the actual sleekness of a Mustang horse? Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to ask uh, Mr. Henry Ford himself and I'll get him on the line. We'll ask him right now. Well, I was wondering because you tell me like trucks have like coyote engine. No, that's and- just the name of the motor that they made for my uh, the Ford made you know, that engine for the Mustang and for the truck it has nothing to do with the coyote itself. I, uh, I know although, that, you know- but I'm just wondering. It made me think. If there is like a fixation of trying to model cars after looking like animals, I don't know. It's just a wondering I have. And if so, I'll take a turtle mobile, please. A turtle mobile. I think that probably the closest thing to a turtle mobile that I can think of is a bug. Yes, it's got to be that bug uh, Volkswagen Beetle car. Mm-hmm. It has that shell shape and whatever. I know, it's so cute. You know, somebody should do is if they own one. Hey, if you own one of those cars, take it to a paint shop and like paint on the roof like a turtle a, shell. A turtle <gasps> shell. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I bet somebody's done that. Oh, I'm sure they have. It would be my dream if they've made a uh, dog van from the movie Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've made a turtle shell uh, on a on a Volkswagen Beetle. Well, I've seen people put like the little eyelashes over the headlights yes. of the Beetles and, that and the says, bugs. That doesn't say, say say female car. I don't know what does. You I know, know but I could see them like making it look like a turtle, like the front of a turtle. That would be so absolutely adorable i would take a ride in your car anytime if it looked like a turtle (laughs) well fantastic well hey christine you know what's next what's next next out here we are going to bring it back to you guys with our now famous we just coined it shout out central and i'm going to kick it off with our countries of the week right chris right christine okay but before i do i want to tell everybody and i don't know if they actually know this but we have this map that we keep and it's a scratch off map kind of like a lottery ticket where it has that like the little metallic stuff you scratch off and there's this really pretty watercolor underneath and every time we get a new state or a new country, we scratch it off so it lets us know how far our podcast is really reaching. And it's so cute. It says, like, the Chris and Christine show, established 2019. Yeah, we're going to take a picture of that and put up on our uh, social media. Oh, we totally will. We need to get it framed. We keep it in a one of those, like, cardboard tubes to keep it protected. It's but, all rolled up. Right. And right. I don't know if I told you that uh, Ezekiel got one for the Gem Boys, too. Did he really? Yeah, he's been scraping it off. No and, way. Yeah, he's so excited. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're excited that this week our countries that we had listening to us were the great land of Canada, 
Okay. Ireland. Hey, now. Switzerland. Of course. And Spain. And, oh, and don't forget, United States of America. Oh, well, yes, of course. <laughs> I was like looking at you like, what other country did I miss? Well, of yes. course. And so the U.S., of course, has our greatest representation, but it's not to forget our foreign friends. We appreciate your support. Please keep sharing internationally so we can scratch off more countries. That is fantastic. And as far as America goes, America, America. we have got, uh, I'm going to mention a few of these uh, cities. And thank you for listening, by the way. If you live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, they were a big listener. Whoever is listening in Albuquerque, oh my goodness. You are like got us on replay like 24-7. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Either you told your friends or you you get the phone playing 24-7. However it is, however it is, thank you so much. (laughs) And the next city I got is Carrollton, Texas. Howdy out there in Carrollton. (laughs) Is that how you say it? I don't know. Now, Heading over along that same corridor, more towards the east, we got something. Now, this town, it's kind of funny. Um, they don't take quarantine very seriously. Oh. Because the name of this town is called Social Circle. And they are in Georgia. And I kid you not, Social Circle. Yeah, it's like the opposite of social distancing. Yeah, I guess so. That's how they do it over there in or Social Circle. Or it's just circle. a reminder that everybody's in their Social Circle. So if you go to Social Circle, you're automatically their friend. Oh, yes? That's, that's kind of weird. Like, how do you mention that? Oh, yeah, I live in Social Circle. No, you don't. They might say, I live in SC, Georgia. Oh, that could be it, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. And speaking of Georgia, now... If Wait, wasn't Social Circle in Georgia? Yes, yeah, so I said oh, okay. in Georgia. Okay, just making sure. And the next town we also have in Georgia... Now, this is the opposite of Niceville. It happens to be Meansville, Georgia. And who named their town Meansville? I don't know, but Meansville, thank you for listening to to our uh, show. Do you think that it's actually pronounced Meansville, or do you think that they adjust it and it's like Mainsville or Mansville? Well, it's spelled M-E-A-N. That doesn't mean that it's pronounced that way. I'm going to look it up because it could. I bet you that they've altered that pronunciation because... Regardless, even if it is Meansville, thank you for being nice and listening to us. Thank you. We appreciate that. And lastly, on this list, we have the great city of Cleveland, Ohio. That's a new one for us. Yes. Thank you for listening, Cleveland. And go Browns. Keep going and good luck. (laughs) And we appreciate you all so much tuning in to us every week. And we hope that you all are sheltering in place safely if you're an essential worker that Maybe you are tuning into us to lift your spirits on the way to work. And we love our K2 crew sh- so much. And we are always looking for people that are interested in being guests on our podcast. And so just like you heard from the fabulous Rob Kreider today, if you're interested in being a guest on the Chris and Christine show, you can direct message us through our Instagram account, which is K2 Show San Diego on Twitter, same handle, or you can email us at chrisandchristinepodcast at gmail.com, chrisandchristinepodcast at gmail.com, and that's K and K, Chris and Christine. That's correct. That was fantastic. Thank you, Christine. That was wonderfully said. And thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. 
I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward. <laughs>